Good morning, y'all. If you got your Bibles, we're in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14. Proverbs 14. Starting at verse 1. Proverbs 14, starting at verse 1. When you get there, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for being God and for being here with us, God. We thank you just for loving us and just for allowing us the opportunity to even think about you, God. Help us to appreciate you more, God, to be more thankful to you, to never take you, your love, your kindness, your goodness for granted, Father God, but to always be grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pick it up, Proverbs 14, verse 1. It says, every wise woman buildeth her house. But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Every wise woman buildeth her house. But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And this one is a setup. And it's somewhat parallel to Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1. What it talks about wisdom has built her house. But here it's specifically talking about a woman. So every wise woman uplifts her house. She has the ability to, to, to increase her house. To make her house better. And the contrast is the foolish woman tears down her house. And here in the instructions for the son, it started to give him guidance on what type of wife he needs to be looking for. And it also gives us a picture of what type of woman is the woman that God honors. So the wise woman builds up her house. She has the ability to make her house better. But the foolish woman has the ability to tear her house down. Bad relationships can, can is a big thing. Proverbs 14, 2, it says, He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despise him. Now, this is a very strong proverb. And it talks about our relationship to God. So it talks about the, the righteous here. The one that walketh in his uprightness. That uprightness is his integrity. So the one who has integrity in his way, in the way that he walked, this is the person that fears God. And the contrast is, if you're not, if you don't have integrity, if you're perverted in your dealings, you despise God, you don't fear him. Now, on the surface, none of us would say that we have spite towards God, that we have hate in our heart towards God. But here the contrast is given. Either you're walking in righteousness, you're walking upright with integrity, or you're dealing perversely, which means that you despise God. So if you don't fear him, you despise him. If you're not being righteous, you despise him. You have hate. You have a, a discontentment or a contempt, rather, in your heart towards God. And it is displayed by the way that you walk, the way that you deal, and the way that we live in life towards people. So that's one we need to think about. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. So the foolish man, he has a rod of pride. That's a stick of pride. So pride is what flows from his mouth. And, it, and it's the thing that has the ability to hurt him or to beat him, to correct him. So f- pride flows forth from the mouth of the foolish. But the contrast, the lips of the wise shall preserve them or protect them or hedge them in. So if you're wise in the way that you speak, there's protection there. But if you're foolish in your lips, that's a rod of pride that puts you in contrast. And all of this goes is a is a cluster that clusters around the same thing, the contrast between the wise and the foolish, the contrast between those who fear God and those who despise God, the contrast between those who will build their house and make their situation better, but 
contrasts with those who tear them down. So the ones who have the integrity, they fear God. That's the one that uplifts the house. And that's the one whose lips shall preserve them. The one that has a foolish lips, who's perverse in their way, are those who tear down their homes and bring destruction on their family. Verse 4 said, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of the ox. Now, this is one you have to sit and think on. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much strength is by the, in- or much increases by the strength of an ox. And here's it's talking about business dealing. So you got a choice and you got an option here. If you want a clean crib, that's your manger, the, the places where you store up at. The best way to keep it clean is to not have any oxen. Don't have any oxen if you want to keep it clean. So if you got a stable and you want to maintain a clean stable, don't put any oxen there. The, the the big bulls that you use to plow the field with. So if you don't, if you want a clean stable, don't have any. But if you don't have any ox, you ain't gonna have no food, cause much increases by the strength of the ox. So it's the option of sometimes we have to put ourselves in predicaments where we have to deal with the uncomfortable to get the thing that we most need to benefit from. Well, no oxen are the crib is clean. So there's a place of comfort there. There's a place where everything is and it looks good and it's comfortable. But if you want the increase, you need the strength of the ox. And it also go toward the mindset of investing because you rob yourself of grain if you're not willing to do go out and buy the oxen well you don't have oxen at the crib is clean there's nothing there but much increases by the strength of the ox so sometimes you have to do the thing that is uncomfortable to get the, the result that is necessary so it's the idea of If I want to advance in life, there are times where I have to move beyond the things. I put myself in situations that that disrupts the comfort of my living. I have to be willing to get up. I have to be willing to put the time in. Sometimes I have to be willing to separate from family and do all those things to get the benefit. But if I just want a clean place, I'm not going to be willing to do it. If you want a clean place, you're not going to go out to buy oxen because oxen bring in. And it's this idea of willing to go beyond the comfortable and to invest in the thing that brings about the increase. And we're willing to put up with the thing that is not comfortable to get the thing that you need. Y- y'all understand now. All right. You want everything to be pitch and cream? Don't buy no ox. But you're going to starve if you don't have because <laughs> much increases by the strength of the ox. Verse 5 says, a faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. So he who is, is trustworthy, that person won't lie. But a false witness, and that idea of a false witness here is one who has, or uh, one who holds another in contempt. So it's one who's willing to do whatever it is, even if it jeopardizes another. That's the one, he will utter lies. Or so a faithful witness is a trustworthy person. But one who don't have your interest in heart, that false witness, he he spews out lies. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy to him that understandeth. So a scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. 
So this is the scornful man, the one who mocks, the one who boasts himself other above other people. And he said, this person can go after wisdom. He can go after, he can try to find it. We say he don't, he don't obtain it. But the person of understanding, the person who has some discernment, the person who has a level of comprehension is easy to him. And it's the idea that the more you know and the more you increase in understanding, the easier it is for you to gain wisdom and gain understanding. And there's a base level that you have to have to advance. But the scorner, those who are mocking, those who post themselves other people, they look for it, but they ain't going to find it. But those who have a level of understanding, those who have a level of discernment, some type of comprehension about life, knowledge is easy unto them. Verse 7, it said, go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. So you leave when you got somebody, when you're in the company of somebody and you realize that they don't know nothing, that they're foolish in their, in their lips, that they don't know what they're talking about. Proverbs saying, leave. Like, just go. And all of these have a connotation of comfort. That's not an easy thing to do. Because sometimes them foolish people is, is family. And say, go from the presence of a foolish man when you find in him not the words of knowledge. So when you're conversing with somebody and they're trying to put you on game and you realize this is a fool that has no idea what they're talking about. He said, leave. So you preserve yourself by escaping from the knowledge of the foolish. Verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. And this is the idea of, like I said, one of my questions, especially dealing with my children, is the question of why. And it says the wisdom of the prudent. So those who are shrewd in life, those who navigate life rightly, their wisdom, a part of their wisdom is their understanding why or how they navigate life. So it's an idea of you considering your way, you consider the way you live and have some type of comprehension of why you do what you do. Why is it that you move the way you move? Why is it that you relate to your spouse the way you relate to? Why is it you respond to your kids the way that you do? Why is it that you work the way that you work? And they said, this is a part of the wisdom of the prudent, that they understand their way. And this takes for us a level of sitting down and paying attention to ourselves and paying attention to the way that we interact and paying attention to being able to ask the question of why. And that's a fun activity to do with yourself. Like, why I do what I do? Why I respond the way I respond? Why do I like the things that I like? And like, this is a part of the wisdom of the prudent. So those who navigate life, a part of their wisdom or what makes them who they are is they understand their way. But the folly of the fools is deceit. And that's the madness of fools. The way that the fools live their life, there's deception there. There is no understanding. They think they got something and they think they moving in a certain way, but there's no consistency there. There's deception there and there's no surety in the way that they live. But the prudent man, he understands why he does what he does and he has a comprehension of his way, the way that he navigates. So this is something that we need to develop, that we examine our lives, examine our hearts and be able to ask, answer the question, why? Why we raise our kids the way that we do? Why do we respond the way that we respond? Verse 9. Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Now this is a, 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 a tricky one. And it's the idea when it says fools make a mock at sin. Now that word sin 
is a somewhat of a, a vague term, especially the one that's used, because in other places it's translated as guilt, and sometimes it's, it's translated as a sin offering. And I think that's part of the way that it's leaning when you put it with the contrast. And this is this idea that when you're in the midst of fools and there's guilt or there's repentance or there's you trying to make amends, fools have the ability to make fun of that. That when they see you trying to change, they see you trying to get your life right, they have the ability to mock you, to put you down. Oh, you just going through something right now, you know what I'm saying? It ain't no big deal. You're going to be right back. When you start to pour out your heart and say, hey, man, I know I've been doing wrong and I'm trying to change. Oh, man, you're just, you're just going through a phase. You know I'm saying that's just guilt. That's just, and they have, and they say they, they make a mock at it. But among the wise, among the righteous. So when you're in the midst of the righteous, there's favor. And that's the idea of when you get into that position with the righteous, where you're pouring out your heart, where you're guilty over the things that you do, when you're trying to make amends, that they're more willing to bow to you and to help you. That's where the, their favor is. They look at you, they lean towards you with an idea of lifting you up and the idea of helping you out. So you got these two contrasting groups of people. And the, and the constant thing is, is this idea of guilt, this idea of repentance, this idea of trying to make amends. So when you're with the foolish and you, when you're guilty and you're trying to make amends, they make a mock at it. You're just going through a phase. You're being punk. You're being a weak. Everybody got time for all that. But when you're in the midst of the righteous, there's favor there. And it's the idea where they're in a position or their desire is to help you in it. And that should always be the position of the righteous. And it is something when, when we think about it, it's something that the church need to, need to have a little work on. Uh, those who call themselves Christians need to work on because we most time have these two opposing extremes and you got the idea of when you find somebody in a messed up situation and they're guilty and they're sorry of it, we beat them up and we bash them down and we kick, kick them out and we don't have anything to do with them. To me, that's a form of making a mock at that you don't allow any room for repentance or any room for change. That's too extreme. But then you got the other group and it's just, well, it is what it is. It's okay. You going to do your thing. We all got our problems. Everything's hunky-dory. Like, it's all right, Justin. I, you're a man and you can beat your wife and cuss out her. It's okay. You, you're a man. You got some problems. Like, no, we're not on one, now one of those extremes. If the brother is broken and he's guilty over it, we figure out how do we help him. But if you're continuing in it, no, we don't embrace that. So we don't make a mock at it. Anything we don't take it lightly. We don't scorn them. We don't put them down. But we don't just accept it anyway. We look with favor and trying to figure out a way that we can lift them up, that we can help one another when we're in those broken states. Verse ten says, "The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle it with his joy." This is a, another one. This whole little run here. So the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle it with his joy. So the heart, your heart, comprehends the sorrow or the thing that pains you. So there's a level of comprehension inside of you when it comes to pain or the things that brings you down or the things that create heaviness in you. Your heart knows your own sorrow. And this is, it gives a picture of an idea of isolation. 
And it goes towards the, the motive when it talks about a stranger doth not intermeddle it with your joy. And it's the thing that, that nobody can truly share in your sorrows and truly share in your joys the way that you can because can't nobody feel it the way that you can. Your heart knows your own sorrow. And when it comes to the thing that truly brings you delight, I can't, I'm saying I could be happy for you, but there's no way that I can truly come into a full agreement with the thing that elates you the way that it does you. So there's a solitariness in our pains and there's a solitariness in our joy. Because there's an impact that we have that cannot be fully expressed that others can partake in it. Like one day, like I give you an example like Miss Sandra, when she dropped her boy off at school, went through that whole thing. Now we can be happy for her. But I guarantee you, nobody felt the delight in here that she felt. That's good. That's good. But there's a certain delight and there's a certain glow and there was a certain activity and anxiousness that was in that moment that none of us could feel. There's just a level of excitement. Like, we finna go. Like, you finna be in a car. <laughs> For up with 12 hours. That's not exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but to her it was and we can say yeah that's good that's a good thing but there's a level in which your pain your sorrow your joy that none of us can mix in it go ahead mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah and that's a, like I said that's a dangerous thing to do. That's one of the ones we were talking about earlier. We are talking about the tongue and knowing the right words to say. That's never the right words to say. Because there's a level of pain that even if you went through the same thing, you're not the same person. Life hits us all differently and we all feel it in a different way. And there's a level of pain, there's a level of sorrow that you can never comprehend. And that's what this is getting at. And yeah, that, that's one of them examples. Like, oh, no, don't, don't go around so much you know how I feel. And to me, it's a level of disrespect to think that you can comprehend what I'm going. I can't even comprehend it now. And this is something that we need to be conscious of. Because there's a deception in, in, in trying to relate and trying to be empathetic that we can get caught up into. Thinking that we can understand other people's pain. You, you really can't. You can be empathetic. You, 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 you can hurt for them, but you won't hurt the same way that they hurt. And even with us rejoicing with those who rejoice, we can be glad for them, but the rejoicing won't be the same. And there's times where you can see people elated by something like, what, what, what? you don't know what it means to them. And you don't know just the whole scope of what they've been through in life to get to this moment. Like some folks, you see them, they weeping. They got, you got a job, man. Like people get one them all the time. Now, you don't know what that person has been through. You don't know the journey that's been going on. And you don't know the opening and the full story that, that took place just for them to get to this point where they can say, I got a job. And there's a level of joy in there that we cannot mix in. Like I said, I can be happy for you, but I never feel it the way that you feel it. And I never, like I said, won't produce in that in me the way that you can. And that's what it's getting to. And in this whole thing are deceptive ideas that we need to take notice of in 11 said the house of the wicked shall be overthrown but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish it's the idea the same thing he keep throwing out so the wicked their place their dwelling is going to be cast down 
But the tabernacle of the righteous, it shall flourish. And even in the way he played that, that's something to think about. Is he, the wicked got a house, but the, the righteous has a tabernacle. One got something that is permanent connected to this earth, but the other one got something that is movable. But that's a whole nother thought and idea to play with. Verse 12 said, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And this is one of those very important proverbs that going to keep coming up. So in the minds of some men, there's a way that seems like they're doing the right thing. I'm living the way I'm supposed to live. I'm going down the right path. It's like, but the end of it, the final mark of it is death. They don't realize it. They don't see it. They thinking they're going down the right path, but the end of it is death. And that's one of the deep that we need to be conscious of. And that's part of the reason we need to be willing to examine ourselves and examine our way. Say, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. And the end of that mirth is heaviness. Now, this is a heavy one. And it talks all about that deceptive disposition. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. And the end of that mirth is heaviness. I ask you a question. I see, help you understand this one. Have you ever seen a depressed person's Facebook page. You think so? And I guarantee you most of us have seen far more depressed people's Facebook page than we realize. But the idea is they don't look depressed on Facebook. The vast majority of depressed people when you watch them in most of their life, they don't see it. And it's the idea of people have the ability to laugh in the midst of pain. That you can be around a person and you can see them up, jovial, and they looking good. And it seems like everything going right in their lives, but on the inside they're dying. And this is just something I play with sometimes, talking to depressed people. And if you're like, man, you just don't know the pain and the hurt and and I just don't see and I know. I'm like, pull up your Facebook page. Just look at it for me. Now, of course, do that person look depressed to you? And it's an eye-opening thing when you actually do it with people who are wrestling with it. Like, hold up. no. Like, when you took that picture, were you feeling like you wanted to die? And the truth is, yes, on the inside I did. I hated life and I hated me. And it's the idea that people can put up a facade and put up a position and, and they can laugh. But on the inside, there's hurting and there's dying. And that's why I say, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. And the end of that mirth is heaviness. So you got happy people laughing and saying they're going, doing their thing, but their heart is broken. Their heart is full of hurt. And the people who laugh like that, the end of that mirth, it's not a good thing. It's heaviness. And it only increases their heaviness. Because they go and they live and they happen. They think, don't nobody know how I'm truly feeling. Because you ain't letting nobody know. And it's one of those things we have to be conscious of. And we have to be willing, especially in our assembly, in the midst of our people, to ask real questions. And sometimes to, 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 to ask God to give us insight and understanding into one another's heart and one another's life. Because... Only your heart know your pain. And a stranger can't intermeddle it with your joy. So there's a hurt that can't nobody pick up on sometimes. 
And it takes that insight from God and us being willing to ask the, the, the tough questions. Like, are you really doing good? Like, what do you mean you're doing good? Like, what do you mean everything's okay? Are you sure everything is okay? Now, one of my questions, are you talking about American okay or real okay? As American okay, this is the right response that I'm supposed to give to you and that ends this conversation. How you doing? Fine. <laughs> like, which, which fine are you? Like, the real one or the fake one? Are you giving the right response or the true response? And this is something, like I said, we have to dig in this because laughter, the outward expression, is not always a true indicator of the heart. And that's what he's getting to here. That people can be hurt and they can laugh. Verse well, I'm at 14. So the backslidering heart shall be filled with his own ways and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. So it's the idea of the backslider, those who go astray. So those who ease off the path, what they get in their lives is they're easing off the path. So they're going to fill their lives up with the things that they go towards. So once you go towards, leave the way and start going towards foolishness, that foolishness is what's going to be poured back into your life. But the good man shall be satisfied or there shall be a level of contentment from himself. So both the backslider and the righteous are rewarded by their deeds and their actions. And that's a sobering thing. So if you lead away, if you stay on the way, you're going to fill your life up with your actions and the way that you live. And that's a very sobering thing. Verse 15 said, the simple believe it every word, but the prudent man look it well to his going. Now we get the simple back again. That's that naive guy. And it says the simple believes every word. So it's the picture of a man who every time somebody tells him something is, yeah, okay, I can see that. And he has the ability of being unstable in his mind. So every, everything that comes his way, he believes it. And he, he go, he, and he go along for it. And this, especially the day and the age that we live in, this is a dangerous place to be in. Cause you flip on one channel, everybody finna die. Like the coronavirus finna kill everybody. The economy gonna just crash and we all gonna be eating ramen noodles. All the stores gonna shut down. Then you turn on another channel. Everything gonna be fine. Like I'm saying it, the economy is great. We're doing great. And nothing is, is wrong. Nothing is more different now than it's ever been before. And it's like, which one do you believe? One of them is a medical doctor telling you everybody's going to die. The other one is a medical doctor telling you, if we stay at home, everybody's going to die. We need to get out. <laughs> and you got both of the sides and extremes. And we have to be people that can hear but not be swayed. And have a level of understanding and conviction within ourselves and in our own relationship with God. Because the simple believe it every word. So there's a level you toss to and fro. Said, bro, the prudent man look it well to his going. And it's the same idea. Those who have a discernment about life, those who know how to navigate life aright, they pay attention to how they move. And there's a level of judgment. There's a level of discernment to where I'm willing to have a self-introspection and truly examine my life, how I'm walking, why I'm doing what I'm doing, what things motivate me to do the things that I'm doing and it's that contrast of you just believing and going with every other thing and you're willing to examine yourself and seeing what it is what is it 
that's moving you? What is it that's swaying you? What is it that has a, a persuasion over your soul and why? That's what the prudent man does. So there's a level of self-examination to where we be willing to question ourselves why I'm doing what I'm doing and not just go, go with the flow. A wise man feareth and departed from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. So a wise man feareth. So there's a level of fear in a wise man that causes him to leave once evil show up. So it gives the picture of it's like walking down a way. When you know evil is at the end of the way, a wise man, a wise man fears that evil and leaves. But a fool said his rage is on. That means he, he press on. He keep going and he has a level of confidence. So the fool, evil is there. He keep pressing. Like evil, it ain't gonna hurt me. I know, it ain't, I'm, I know can't, it can't stop me. I know what I'm doing. And so it gives a position of one who just live life and nothing will cause them to fall back while a wise man has the ability to see evil foresee evil and to fear that evil and that cause him to fall back to move to go another way fool just keep going on in his way and all of these take a picture of us examining ourselves being willing to look at ourselves our lives and how we doing and why we doing what we doing Verse 17, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Now, that's a, this is a, a strong. So he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. And that soon angry is short-tempered. He that's quick to get angry. The person who get mad quickly is a fool. Is basically what he's saying. If you quick to get mad, if you quick to snap, if the smallest little thing can take you over the top, say so you deal like a fool. And a man of wicked devices is hated. And a man of wicked devices is a man who come up with evil schemes. And he, he binding these together. So a man who is soon angry and a man of wicked devices, a man who eyes, who mind comes up with wicked schemes, there's an agreement with in there. So a quickly angry man and a man with an evil mind are like cousins. One of them is a fool and one of them is hated. People don't like that man who come up with evil devices. Just like people don't like that man who get angry quick. And we, we all been around somebody like that. Like the smallest little thing set them off. And you got people like that. You don't really want to talk to them people. And you feel and there's a certain level around them people where you can't be yourself. Because you know they're going to be offended. And if they get offended, they're going to get mad. And it all goes all over the way. Everywhere. And that's why you really don't like those type of people. And that's why he connecting that man that is soon angry with the man who has evil devices. They're hated. Y'all understand that. So don't be quick to get angry. You're living foolishly if you do so. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. It's an easy one. So the simple, those who are naive in their mind, what they get as an inheritance is foolishness, folly, madness chaos that's what they get so if you're simple you're naive which means you believe any and everything which means you don't have any knowledge or understanding about life folly is what comes to you if you live that way but to the righteous or to the wise they get a crown of knowledge or the prudent are crowned with knowledge so those who know how to navigate life rightly they're crowned with knowledge so one inherits foolishness 
and the other one get knowledge. One gets a crown and the other one gets just foolishness. <laughs> the evil bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Now this is a, a, a tough one. Evil bow down. That means they prostrate themselves before the good. And the wicked prostrate themselves at the gates of the righteous. So there's an idea here that we're saying that is at a certain level, at some point, all the wicked and the evil are going to have to humble themselves before the righteous and the good. So there's coming a time, there's coming a day where the evil, the wicked, are going to bow themselves before the good and the righteous. Now we can look at that on a cosmic scale and say that that's going to happen when we come back with Christ. But if we look at life, just in the small little moments, we see glimpses of it. Because there's a level in where people who live their life in a righteous manner and who maintain a level of integrity in their living, where the fools around you, even though they may be greater than you in lot, where they humbly respect you. And there's a level of, especially when you get that reputation as you, you the Christian one, that, hey, I'm going through this in my life. Could you pray for me? There's a level of bowing down. That's a level of them having to humble themselves before you. And what he's saying is this is going to happen. So the righteous, the good is always going to be in a position or there's going to come a time in your life where the wicked and the evil going to prostrate, humble themselves before you. I was talking to a co-worker about this. You got a, her supervisor is a fool. And he's one of those boastful type foolish people that everything is all about them dots and dashes behind his name. And can't nobody tell him anything because of all the schooling and all the everything he got and so on and so forth. So old lady and she was business, she was getting upset by the stuff that you do. Like, yeah, everybody knows he's a fool. But there's going to come a day where he's going to need you. And the question is, what you going to do when that time comes? And her deal is, it better not ever happen. <laughs> in her mind, I'm going to cut his throat. You're like, chances are you won't be like that because your heart ain't like that. And she thought about it. She's like, well, really, that didn't already happen. There's been times in his foolishness where he overdo stuff. And now he got to come to you. Hey, could you help me out in such and such and such? And I got this meeting. I need you. It's this fool who, who domineers over you. But he bowed before you. He got to come humbly before you because he needs your help. And once you live your life consistently in righteousness and integrity, you're always going to be upon that point where those, even though they may be greater to you, well, have to humble themselves a little bit. And that's just a level of life. Verse 18, I mean verse 20. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. Now this is one of the ones you put in your pocket. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor. And it's the idea of a simple one and one that we all recognize. That money makes friends. So the poor, the one who don't got anything, so they hated even of their own neighbor. So the folks around him don't really have any favor for, for him. That's the poor. But the rich, the folks who got money, they got many friends. And it's the idea of here that money makes friends. The more you got, the more friends you have. The less you got, the less friends you have. Because the vast majority of people latch on to people who they can get some from. And that's just the idea and the reality. Like I said, we all see it. Like when folks make it, especially like we watch the draft in sports, cousins come out the woodwork. 
He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he or blessed is he. So if you despise your neighbor, you sin. But he that hath mercy on the poor, if you show kindness, if you show favor to the poor, you are the blessed one. And it's a contrast rolling off that proverb we just read. So there's a level of which people don't like people who can't do nothing for them. When it's saying if you despise your neighbor, if you look with contempt at your neighbor, if you have hatred in your heart towards your neighbor, you are sinning. And that's a, just one he bluntly put it there. But if you show mercy to the poor, if you show kindness to the poor, you are truly a blessed man. So we got blessed men and the sinners. The one who's willing to show kindness and mercy to the poor, that's the one who is the truly blessed. And if we connect that to the, the last proverb, it's the one who's willing to show kindness to the one who can't do nothing for them. Because the rich, they got many friends because they have something. There's an exchange. But the poor, their neighbor hates them. So if you're willing to show kindness, to show mercy to those who can't do nothing for you, you are a blessed person. But if you have contempt in your heart for those who can't do nothing for you, you're a sinner. 22, do, do they not ear that devise evil, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. So we got two people that, that devise has come up with schemes. So we got some who devise evil, who have wicked imaginations. He said they go astray. When your mind works like that, you're going astray. But mercy and truth are to those who devise good. So that mercy here, we like I said, I like it better, is loving kindness. So there's a level of loving kindness, a level of favor. Uh, to be churchy, we would say grace that is bestowed upon those who are good. So grace and truth is given to those who have good thoughts or thoughts Come up with good things, or beneficial things, things that function the way that they're properly supposed to. That's the best way to translate that word good. So those who thoughts are in alignment with things, the way that they're so, the, the things that function the way that they're supposed to be, mercy and truth is granted towards you. But you err, you go astray if you got evil thoughts. In all labor, there is profit. But the talk of the lips tended only to penury. Now that's, that's one of the ones you stick in your pocket too. In all labor, in all labor, there is profit. So everybody who doing something, there's some profit in it. That's basically what he's saying. No matter if you're doing something, there's some level of profit in there. But the person who only talking, that leads only to poverty. That's deep. So there's there's some benefit in all labor. If you got to do who just going out there starting business and then doing things and wrecking this up, there's some benefit into it. Now he might not make no money and he might just be getting tuition and, and getting an education. But there's some benefit to it. But a dude who just sit back and talk about it all the time, said that leads only to poverty. So there's some benefit in all labor, but just running your mouth tended only to penury. The crown of the wise is their riches, but foolishness of fools is folly. And this is the idea talking about money and profit again. So the crown of the wise is their riches. And it's the idea that the wise people, when they have money, it's a crown to them. When you got a wise man that prospers in his way, there's, there's a crown. There's a level of beauty that, that's connected with that. But if you have a rich fool, He's still just a fool. But the folly of the foolishness tended only to foolishness. 
So if you got a wise man that prosper, there's a crown, there's a beauty to that. If you got a fool that prosper, he's still just a fool. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness utters lies, a breathe forth lies. So a true witness delivers soul. And this is one when you in your dealings, this idea of a true witness is one who has are put in a position that by the words of his mouth he influences or have an impact on people around him. So a true witness delivers soul. Is Court is the best way you see this. That there's a, a level where you got a faithful person, a real person, that he can speak that has the ability to set people free just by his speech. But the contrast is, is the man who don't care how his words impact those around him. He spew forth lies. So one is a true witness and he, he, the goal of his speech and him declaring truth is to deliver, to set free. And he see the impact of his words on those around him. You got the other one, he don't care. He's just trying to get his point and he's trying to do the thing that most benefits himself. And so he just spew out foolishness. 25, I mean 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. So in the fear of the Lord, those who fear God, there's a strong confidence in that. There's a, there's a level of security that you can navigate life if you have the fear of the Lord. And the people who live that way said even their children shall have a place of refuge. So you walking in the fear of the Lord, it gives you a place of confidence that has the ability to impact those who come behind you. There's a refuge for them. There's a place that they can go through for safety. And it's all centered upon your fear in God. That's a deep one to go through or just to think about. That we can create a place of security and a place of comfort. That has the ability to impact those who follow behind us, specifically our children. 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. So the fear of God pour forth life to you. If you fear God is a fountain of life and the purpose of that fountain is to cause you to depart from the snares of death. So walking in the fear of God delivers you from the trap of death. Walking in the fear of God gives you strong confidence that can even create a place of refuge for your children. These are some deep things to think about. We need to be people who walk in the fear of God because we can protect our family, we can have confidence in life, and we have the ability to escape from the snares or the traps of death all through the fear of God. And it's a fountain, something that's ever flowing, something that's ever present with us, pouring out life. In the multitude of people is the king's honor but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. And we're starting to transition into a talking about king. So basically we're talking about the king, the ruler. When he got a lot of people following behind him, that's his honor. So the size of the dynasty of the king is an honor to him. But when he don't have any people, that's, that's, that's the destruction of the prince. So when people start to leave the prince, that's his destruction. But as long as folk falling behind him, that's the honor of the king. That's a principle that we put and we understand life that we keep on to. One, on a certain level, personally. That when we can be influenced and we live in a position where we have respect and we have authority <clears throat> and we can use that respect, that power and authority in a manner that allow people to flock towards of us, that's an honor to a leader. But when you live in a place where people depart from you, 
that's going to be your demise as a leader. But it also shows us that who we put ourselves behind and who we back and who we're willing to follow, that bolsters them in their position and in their authority. But the thing that can tear them down is if we can take away from them the following. A leader that does not have anybody to follow them is not a leader at all on any level, even in a democratic republic. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty in spirit exalted folly. He's talking about y'all anger folks again. So now he says it in, in the reverse way. The other one he talks about those who are quick to anger. Now he's saying if you slow to wrath, if you slow to pour out and to respond in, a, in an angry way, that's what he means by wrath here, that, that response. Like if you slow to do that, you're a person of great understanding. So it's the idea of people who grab great understanding are not quick to get upset. And it shows us a correlation between understanding and anger. That one of the ways we diminish anger is to increase understanding. So if you have an anger problem, according to the writer of the Proverbs, you have an understanding problem. That there's something about life you do not comprehend that controls your ability to respond in a hasty and a mad, hasty and a mad way. That he that is slow to anger is of great understanding. You're a good man. You're a smart man. You have some comprehension of life if you're slow to anger. If you're slow to respond. If you're slow to lash out. But he that is hasty of spirit. He that gets stirred up quickly on the inside. You exalt folly. You're lifting up foolishness. So one is a calm person. One is a person that takes the time to truly get a picture before they respond. Another one that one. I'm just going to have to let them know. Uh-uh. You, you can't be that person. <laughs> if you go off quick, slow down a little bit. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. So there's a security in you. When your heart is all together, everything is all right. It's <clears throat> saying that's the life of the flesh. That, that pours out life into you. There's some healthiness when you have a sound heart. But when you allow your life to be filled up with envy, that's rottenness of the bone. It has the ability to affect your health in your life, the disposition of your heart. You got a good heart. When your life, when your heart is right on the inside, it's sound, it's good. That has the ability to impact your health. But when you got a heart full of envy, that has the ability to be, as I said, as rottenness to the bones. And this is something that it took medical doctors thousands of years to, to understand. That our internal disposition has the ability to affect our physical body. You can stress yourself sick. That you can worry yourself into an illness. And what this is saying, that you can secure yourself to a a place of health. There's some security and there's benefit just in getting your heart right. But if your heart is filled with envy, with jealousy, with that level of anger, you mess your whole life up. Like I said, some of y'all didn't, didn't experience it. And you mess around with the wrong person and you just hate it and you, all everything go bad. Blood pressure go up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody just fatigued and all that type of stuff. Can't sleep at night. And when you think about it, ain't nothing wrong with you, but you mad. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. 
Now that's deep. If you hold oppression over the poor, if you mistreat the poor, you're sinning against God. But he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. So the person that honors God show kindness to the poor. The person that has an honor for God pour out goodness on the poor. So we got one who oppressed the poor. You take advantage of the poor. You mistreat the poor. You reproach God. But if you honor the God, you treat the poor right. So if you mistreat one, you mistreat the other one. If you do good to one, you're doing good to the other one. And this takes us all the way back to one of our early Proverbs. Proverbs was chapter 3 when it talks about honoring the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of all your increase. This shows you a way that you can honor God. So if you want to honor the Lord with your substance, give to the poor. Be kind to those who don't have anything. So next time you in a church and they tell you we finna do our first fruit offering and how we gonna do it, we all finna come wave our money up front and make this rich man even richer. Just say, I wanna honor God with the first fruits of my substance. So I'm gonna take my first fruits and I'm gonna find some real destitute and poor people. And I'm going to wave my money in their hand. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, you just get your first fruits and you walk up there and you just keep on walking out the back. <laughs> Where you went? Girl, I had to find somebody poor. I wanted to honor the Lord with my son. <laughs> I had to give my first fruit. <laughs> So take care of the poor, you're taking care of your maker. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous have hope in his death. So the wicked, by the way that they live, they're being cast off. They're being driven away, but there's hope in the death with the righteous. And this will give you a glimpse into his mind. Because a lot of people want to make this a secular book and thinking that Proverbs is throwing out these fancy promises that don't make sense in real life. Because we don't see them lived out all the time. But here he gives you an example of what he's talking about, the hope. Of the righteous, they have hope in death. So could he be talking about the wicked being driven away in their wickedness? Some were latent to death. So the driving away of the wicked, when it really going to happen, is in death. And the real fulfillment of the hope of the righteous, the thing that's going to happen, that's going to fulfill all that, is in death. So we got hope in death. Why they going to be driven away? 33, wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding. But that which is in the midst of fools is made known. So there's a level of discernment. And you have a level of ability to navigate life if you got understanding so there's a level of wisdom that resides in the heart of the ones who has understanding it's it's inside of you but a fool everything just spews out fool reveals it all he just pour out his mouth he cannot control himself verse 34 righteousness exalted a nation but sin is a reproach to any people this is a verse that we're going to start hearing in a couple months for you, uh, those who are politically inclined, this is the Christian, evangelical, whatever, whatever, whatever verse that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And it's just one to think about when we hear righteousness, when we live in right, that lifts up a nation or makes a nation great. But any people, what it means by that is any category of people, any nation of people, any group of people. Sin is a reproach to you. Now, what definition does he give us for sin? Y'all see one in there? 
Does he say the sin of? He don't put one on that do. It's just sin, period. A sin in general is a reproach to any people. So what sin do we get to pick when we're picking our president? No, at, at the one that's, that's a reproach to people. Because one kind is a reproach. That means it's bad on us and we're not supposed to back that person. But the same one that tells us do not murder tells us do not commit adultery. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's, it's, it's the same God that says both of them. So if I hate one man for backing murder, I need to hate another man for being an adulterer. Just something to think about. But if we live like that, we ain't going to be able to pick no president. <laughs> Justin in 2020. <laughs> you got to pick a sin that ain't a reproach to any people. And the, king, the king's favor is toward the wise servant, but wrath is against him that called the shame. Now this is one that we think on the surface don't seem like it connects to us. Like the king's favor. The king liked the people that are wise. So the people who work for the king that are wise, he likes them. But the shameful servant, the one that brings disgrace, the one that brings dishonor, the one that make him look bad, he don't like that one. Now, we don't have a king where we're going. But we do have some forms of kings and servitude. We call it work. If you are a wise servant at work, that means you navigate and you do things in a wise manner. There's a level of what you, you get some favor. Uh, even the ones that don't hate you need you. I mean, the ones that don't like you need you. So while there may be a level of contempt, because they might think she's trying to take my job, she's trying to overcome. When you're good at what you do, they respect it. And the king's favor was, is with the wise servant. And there's a level of wise servant that we're going to talk about it later that has the ability to turn that hate. So when you got the one that don't like you and think you're just trying to take over and make them look bad, there's a level of wisdom that can turn that. So the wise servant, there's honor with them. But his wrath is against the one that calls shame. The one that brings disgrace, the king's wrath is against them. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words store up strife. So a soft answer, that's a gentle answer, a kind answer, a meek answer. Turns away wrath. So there's a level in how you respond to the anger of a person that can squelch their anger. So a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous or hard words stir up strife or stir up anger. So if you want to keep some mess going, respond in a hard way. Respond in a, ha- a hateful way. Respond in an angry way. Respond in a way that, that that's, that's trying to bring hurt or pain to the person you're doing or you're relating to. But if you want to end it, have a soft answer. The tongue of the wise, you use it knowledge or right, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. So there's a wise person. They use knowledge or right. That means they take what they know and they can rightly speak to people. So there's a, there's a proper manner that we use knowledge. But the mouth of the fool, they pour out foolishness. They just say on any old thing. But the wise person knows what they say and they take their comprehension and their knowledge of life and they apply it rightly in conversation. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So God is watching everywhere. 
And his eyes are in every place. That means his eyes, he see everything. And he's paying attention to the evil and the good. Y'all think that means the evil and the good of our mouths? Yeah. He got, he paying attention to how you use knowledge, how you respond to anger. All of that stuff goes into it. So a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but a perverseness therein is a breach of the spirit. So a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. When you got a proper tongue, your tongue is the way that it's supposed to be. So there's a tree of life in there. There's life that flows from it. But a perverse tongue, a twisted tongue, a wicked tongue is a breach of the spirit. And it's the idea of I can know something of your internal condition by the way that you use your mouth. So when you got a perverse tongue, that let me know something wrong in your spirit. Something is broken inside of you. When you use your words in a hurtful and twisted manner, there's something wrong on the inside of you. Is what he's basically what he's getting at. And God sees all that. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regarded reproof is prudent. Same thing. If you hate to be corrected, you're a fool. If you pay attention to correction, you're prudent. All wise man. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. So the righteous man, there is treasure in his house. A righteous man got something. There's something to be had in with the righteous. But with the benefits of the wicked, there's trouble. So when the wicked man increase what he got, trouble is connected with it. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of fools do it not so. I like the way you say that. The lips of the wise, they put people on. They're teachers. But the heart of the fool, they're not. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. So we got the sacrifice of the wicked. When the wicked come to offer to God the thing that they have, they say God hates it. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. And here we see a contrast between sacrifice and prayer. So one form of sacrifice or offering to God is our prayer. And he takes delight in it. He takes pleasure in it when it comes from the righteous. But when the wicked are doing so, it's something that he hates. Verse 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord. But he that loveth him followeth after righteousness. This is a deep now. He started talking about the Lord more and more as we get into this thing. The way of the wicked, the way that the wicked live their life, God hates it. But God loves him that followeth after righteousness. So we got two contrasts here. One is in opposition to God. God loathes that person. And the other one, God delights in it. If you love God, you follow after righteousness. Jesus makes a similar command that those who love me do what? Keep my commandments. So if you love God, you do, you go after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, but he that hated reproof shall die. Now let that sit there. If you don't like to be corrected, you're going to die. <laughs> Simple. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of men? That's deep. So that's the grave and destruction. So the grave and punishment, all that stuff is right in front of God's eye. God pay attention to all of that. And if you pay attention to the grave and destruction, how much more attention does he pay to your own heart? God knows your heart and that's a scary thing. So God looks at the heart of men. God hates the wicked man. God hates the prayer of the wicked man and he pay attention to everything. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. 
So this is the idea. If you're a scorner, if you're a mocker, you don't love the people that correct you. So if you correct somebody and they stop being your friend, that's a mocker. That's, and it said, neither will he not go unto the wise. So the person that is a scorner, he's not going to go to the people that are going to put him on and tell him right. He just ain't going to do it. Saying he got a question, he ain't finna call Jay. He finna go on YouTube and find a preacher that say what he want to hear said. Now take this, see can we do two more little runs here. Said, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but sorrow of the heart, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So when somebody is feeling good and they got goodness in their heart, it said makes a cheerful countenance. You can see it on their face. So when somebody is good on the inside, it, it impacts how they look. But on the contrast, sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So when, when pain comes to a person and there's heaviness, it breaks them all the way deep down on the inside. When they're feeling good, it shows on their face. They got that glow. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of the fools feedeth on foolishness. It's a very poignant proverb there. So if you got understanding, you go after knowledge. If you if your heart is right and you got an understanding about life, you seek after knowledge. You're trying to learn. You're trying to get more. And there's a level of activity where the wise don't stop being don't stop being learners. But the fools feedeth on foolishness. Fools ain't trying to learn. They're just heaping up foolishness unto themselves. They just flocking to themselves the thing that increases what they already believe. But if you got an understanding heart, you're trying to know. There's a level where you're trying to get some knowledge. And we can take that principle and apply it to relationships. The, the wise man, he's seeking knowledge. So when you're in a position or you're in a relationship, if you truly got some understanding about you, when, when, when things come up, you're trying to get knowledge about the situation. You're trying to know what's really going on. But fools, they heap up foolishness. They're just trying to hear what, 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 what's in line with them and what they want to know to get them right. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath continual feast. Now, this is another deep one we can pause on for a minute to put in your pocket. When it talks about the, the level of the heart and our disposition. So all the days of the afflicted are evil. And this paints the picture that when a person is being afflicted, all of that time is an evil time. There is no good old days when the time that we're referring back to was a time of affliction. Or the time when a person was being beat down. It's like Ike trying to remind Tina of the good old days. Like, no, one no good ones. The moment you start beating me, that was the end of the good old days. All the days of the afflicted are evil. Y'all understand that. So when, we, when you flashing back and we be going back and when you're talking about an afflicted people or somebody that was going through some hardship, there ain't no good old days in that. Don't nobody look at that and say, oh man, you know, I, I really did like that. Like that one moment he slapped me, we had a good relationship. <laughs> like from nine to five was the most beautiful time. It was when he got home, <laughs> I remember that. No, no nobody think about those times. That's what he's saying. But he that that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. 
But the person that's, that's, that's feeling good, the person whose heart is right and is in a place of joy and contentment, there's a continual feast in there. There's, there's a celebration that goes on for the married person. While on the contrast, afflicted, all of his days are evil. And this is a contrast that we see in our great country. That you have some people, when they talk about the good old days, it's, it's good. We, we can flash back. We can go back. Yes, let's go back to the good old times. While other ones like, what good times? I don't want to remember them. That wasn't in the story. Like, we read the same story a different way. We, 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 we flash back and we reading the same story. We looking at the same events. While one of them, man, this is something to be celebrated. This is something we need to cherish. These are people we need to cherish. While other ones like, hold up, man, I, I, wait. Cause all the days of the afflicted are what? Evil. Better is a little with the fear of God, fear of the Lord, than great treasure and trouble therewith. So it's better to have a little bit and fear God than to have a whole lot with a whole bunch of trouble and drama going on. And that's a deep one. How many of y'all will answer that way? Like, you can be rich, but you're going to have a lot of drama. How many of y'all take that deal? Like, man, just give me the riches. I can, I can put up with the drama. it's tempting (laughs) man I think I can handle it it's better to have a little bit with the fear of the Lord than to have great treasure with trouble therewith better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stall ox and hatred therewith now ooh that's deep right there so you can can have a rabbit meal a dinner of herbs you got mint and cumin on a plate you got garnish. <laughs> a plate of garnish, he's saying it's better in a house of love than to have a stalled ox. That's a fat ox, a strong, a big old ox than a house full of hatred. Y'all agree with that? <laughs> like, I'm married to this person. We doing bad, but we... Like uh, living color, but we still love. <laughs> He's saying to have that, to have a plate of garnish, mint, thyme <laughs> on a plate, then I have big old fat steaks. Y'all can't get along. Yeah, that's that's that is a heavy one now. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. If you got a man that's full of wrath, he's still a mess. But a person that's slow to anger, a person that don't get mad quickly, he has the ability to appease strife. Because chances are a person that's slow to anger going to respond with what type of words? Soft words. And chances are a person that's slow to anger going to be the person that tries to understand instead of stirring up foolishness. All these things are connected. The way of a slothful man is in the hedge, is a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Now he's cheating here because he's contrasting with righteousness with slothfulness, which he ain't supposed to do. Because you're supposed to be able to be righteous and slothful at the same time. So the way of a slothful man is a hedge of thorns. What he mean by that? The lazy person, there's always some blocking them. When they, there's it, it, always some around them. But a righteous man, his way is made plain. There's nothing in his way. There's nothing stopping him from doing what he's trying to do. A wise son, Makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Now they get a little bit deeper. 
If you're living like a foolish person, you hate your mama. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. So madness, foolishness makes you happy if you're destitute of wisdom. So if you can enjoy foolishness, you don't have any wisdom. A man of understanding, on contrast, a man who walks according to his understanding, that person walks uprightly. So he don't take pleasure in foolishness. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. It's the idea of you got a plan, if you got some intentions. If you're walking in and working it on your own, <clears throat> there's a level of disappointment there. That means your, your plan ain't, ain't, ain't going to always work. There's frustration that comes with it. But when you're surrounded by people who can guide you and help you, then your purposes can be established. A man have joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? So the man has joy by the answer of his mouth. So a right response produces joy in a man. So if you can give right advice, you can give good advice that produces joy in a man and saying a word spoken in due season or in proper season. How good is it? So when you can say the right thing at the right time in the right way, that's a good thing. That's a pleasurable thing. So that's a level of learning of life. The way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. So God put life above. So you ascending if you're walking in the way of life. And the reason you ascending is that you can depart from hell or the grave beneath. And it's this contrast of life in the grave. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the wicked. It's once again, God's judgment against the wicked. But the border of the widow, those who are without, he will make them secure. God takes care of those who cannot take care of themselves. He established the border of the widow, but he destroyed the house of the proud. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. So when wicked men think, God gets sick. But the words of the pure, the people who have pure words, their, their words are pleasant. So there's a pleasure that comes from the right words. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hated gifts shall live. So the person that's greedy, trying to get rich, he brings trouble to his whole house, his own house. But if you're a person that hate gifts, what he means by that is bribes. People can pay you off. So you trouble, I mean, he that hated gifts, you shall live. So there's a level of, if you, if you can be bought, you, you're going to be in some trouble. But if you hate gifts, can't nobody bribe you, you're going to live. The heart of the righteous study it to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So the righteous person, he study, he, he contemplates before he answers. But the mouth of the wicked, he just pour out evil things. He just say whatever wickedness flows from his heart. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. That's a deep one. God is far from the wicked, but the righteous, he hears their prayer. But also the contrast is far versus what's the opposite of far? Near. So him hearing your prayer means he's there with you. And it's the idea of when you want to, when you try to hear somebody or somebody's talking to you in their separation, what do you do? You get a little bit close. Making sure that you understand. And that's the picture that he's given here. So when the righteous pray, God get a little bit closer because he's trying to hear you. That's a deep one. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report make it the bones fat. So when there's understanding inside of you, that's what it means by the light of the eyes, the illumination. When you get to a place where something is revealed and made plain to you, 
that brings joy to the heart in a good report. When somebody tells you good news, that makes the bone fat. So when you get to a place of illumination, when you understand something, you can see clearly now that rejoice your heart and good news can make you feel better. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. So if you're looking for somebody who's going to listen to when it talks about correcting you with life, that ear is among the wise. So it means it's not among the foolish. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that reproof, heareth reproof, geteth understanding. If can't nobody tell you none, you hate yourself. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. So the fear of the Lord guides you down wisdom. That's the, the, the correction of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So if you got the fear of the Lord, you have wisdom leading you and guiding you in life. And before honor is humility. So before you're celebrated, before good is poured upon you, humility has to be there. So we need humility and the fear of the Lord. If we got that, we're going to be guided to a place of honor. We got any questions?